What's happening, everybody? Welcome to our 20th episode of the Carbide Podcast with Polaris Racing's Ben Hayes. A lot of us will know Ben for his current role as Polaris Race Coordinator, but his journey from a little kid learning about his dad's legendary racing exploits to developing one of the most successful cross-discipline programs we've ever seen is no accident. His story is filled with building strong relationships within the snowmobile industry, making the most of every opportunity, and above all else, building race-winning sleds. This is one of our longest episodes for sure, but it's worth every second. So I hope you enjoy our discussion. And welcome back, everybody, to the Carbide Podcast. Appreciate you guys tuning in once again. On the line tonight, he's a longtime industry professional with family roots deep in snowmobile racing. And if you ride red, you probably have him on speed dial. He's a snowmobile race coordinator for Polaris. He's Ben Hayes. How we doing, Ben? I'm doing well, Spencer. How about you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you and dive into your family history. I think it's going to be a good time. Yeah, I've uh, I've had the pleasure of listening to these podcasts you've been putting out, and they're really good, man. It's it's interesting. I like hearing all the stories from everyone. Awesome. I appreciate it. appreciate it. Well, let's dive right into it then, because, I mean, as I mentioned, the, the Hayes name is pretty famous in snowmobile racing, but kind of what's your earliest memory? Where did it all start for you? Well, it was a kitty cat that I remember. Um, so I had a, I have a two-year-older brother, and mm-hmm. we had a kitty cat, and we'd drive that around the driveway. Couldn't really go around the house very well. They'd get stuck. You know, it gets stuck all the time, and we're little. You can't really get unstuck. But that was definitely the first snowmobile I rode. And then uh, there was a gap then because my dad kept his last cross-country race sled, mm-hmm. which was uh, a 1979 Polaris TXL 340 Olive Ann. Uh, that was his last race sled. Okay. So what we would do, and we would do this constantly in the winter, is me and my brother would get in our, you know, our snow gear with helmets and goggles, the full thing. And dad would hook up two sleds behind it. And we would go out in the fields and go everywhere. And he would pull us in those sleds, you know, whip us around. Mm-hmm. And that was some really fun times as a, a young kid. And, uh, you know, it wasn't probably till I got 10 that I could actually drive that sled by myself. And that, that was my next sled. Then I would start driving. <laughs> it's funny kind of bringing up, getting towed around. Cause that was my childhood too. And, uh, I definitely smashed a couple trees over the years being towed behind a snowmobile. I don't know about you. Yeah, Yo, it was, it was, uh, it was a violent deal. Like we, <laughs> we went out there kind of at race pace. It was, yeah, it wasn't, uh, just trail riding. So it sounds like growing up, I mean, I'm sure you were aware of trail riding, of course, but it sounds like racing was always kind of, kind of in your head. Like you were well aware of, of what racing was and what it meant to your family. Well, yeah, not, you know, not when I was real young, I wasn't, mm-hmm. um, really aware. Uh, when my dad retired from racing professionally before me and my brother were born, mm-hmm. uh, and when he retired, he opened a player's dealership. So okay. we lived in Cranon, Wisconsin, which it's, uh, it's a really small town, northern Wisconsin, population of 1,800 people. Not There's not a stoplight there still to this day isn't a stoplight. I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's a small town. So, you know, early on, we weren't really that aware, I guess. The one thing I do remember um, when I was younger, you know, talking like before I was 10, is 
he would tell me stories at night, like when he was putting me to bed and it was always race stories, like mm-hmm. race stories, adventures, that kind of stuff. So that got in my head at a very young age. And it was like all I wanted to hear every night before I went to bed. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, with your family's history and all these different disciplines, like was there a was there a specific snowmobile racing discipline that you kind of enjoyed and idolized growing up, or was it just kind of all over the place? Uh well, yeah, it was. It would have been like Champ Oval racing because mm-hmm. my dad was the announcer at Eagle River for a long mm-hmm. time, and so I he would take me there with him, and you know we'd get to go go around the pits and he it's all his old friends you know a lot of his old friends stayed in the business and if they weren't racing anymore they were crew chiefs or working on the teams so i was exposed to that and then being up in the announcing tower I get to watch the races and hear him call it um so i really loved that on the snowmobile side and then also he would announce at uh, the off-road races at crandon which Mm-hmm. Brandon's home on one of the biggest short course off-road races in the U.S. Um, so he would take me to that and I would get, you know, to watch all that stuff and be be around that too. And then um, in 2000, so I would have been a, a senior in high school, the WSA National Snowcross Series came to Crandon. They had a mm-hmm. national at Crandon. And we went to that, and that's when I got to see Snowcross in person. And then I was hooked on that. And I remember after the national, after the races, they left the track out there untouched. They just, they just oh, left really? on the off-road track. <laughs> yep. Well, I would go out there then every night after school and go ride that track and pretend I, I was out there racing. <laughs> I've, uh, I've seen some old videos from those, those Crandon rounds and like, it's, they used up the whole track. Like it was a long track. It was long lap times, but oh my God, did it get rough? Like it was gnarly. Yeah. I remember it too, a little bit and you're right. It was, it was big and laid out and they had some big air. And then I remember like a crazy whoop rhythm section out there too. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. So through all these years, you know, just kind of growing the passion for racing and the passion for motorsports and power sports as a whole. Obviously, you enjoyed it as a hobby, really passionate about it. But did you know you wanted to kind of pursue a career in this space? Or were you just still kind of enjoying it as a as a hobby as long as you could? Well, I definitely did. Um, I remember in high school, I, I got into racing dirt bikes, I guess, to step step into that a little bit i started Mm -hmm. racing dirt bikes when i was 15 so in 1997 okay and did the district 16 motocross series and i would do that for a long time and all the way until i was in college but i remember being in school and i would always have my motocross action magazine with me and you know Mm -hmm. study hall reading that and dreaming of being a motocross being on a motocross team or a mechanic like it was the awesomest thing it's in California and just so mm-hmm. cool and wild. Um, and then later on, I guess you kind of, as you grow up a little bit in high school, <laughs> I realized that's not an option. Um, mm-hmm. And then it was like, well, snowmobile racing is, and it, I wanted to be a snowmobile racer, but it just wasn't in the cards for me. And with my dad's dealership, um, he was really busy and him and my mom ran that dealership. And they would work weekends and it just there was no time for him to take me racing mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So I knew that was an option. But while I was doing my dirt bike racing, I got really into the mechanics of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and growing up from the point I was 10, I, I worked at my dad's shop at the Polaris dealership. So okay. I was really into working on power sports, you know, not just riding them. It was, and my dad, he instilled that in us from an early age. Like when I was 10, I got a four wheeler, my first four wheeler quad sport. 80 Suzuki mm-hmm. that I would run everywhere. And then I got uh, a KX80 when I was 12. And I kind of re- remember how it started with me. When I had my four-wheeler, I wanted, I asked for my own toolbox. And he's like, well, you can use mine in the garage. And I was like, no, I want my own. So we went down to Napa and he bought me, you know, like a junior toolbox. Mm-hmm. Well, I was always wrecking something on my four-wheeler. And then when I got on my kx80 and he i wait you know and he would that week sometime he'd fix it or that week and away i go well one day i crashed and the bars rolled down and bent the clutch lever and he didn't fix it after a couple days and i asked i was like dad i i want to ride my bike i need that fixed he said well then you're gonna learn how to fix it (laughs) and and that was it and he he wasn't bluffing so Mm -hmm. it kind of forced me to start working on my equipment and then that just grew into a passion. So then racing dirt bikes, um, one thing we would always do is he'd never get me a new dirt bike. I always got me to use one and it forced me then to learn it, go through it, rebuild it and, you know, make sure it was in condition to go racing. And we would, he got, <laughs> when I started racing dirt bikes, he got back into wanting to race and started racing dirt bikes with me. Oh, okay. Uh, so another thing we would do is we would get the same bikes and then like pro circuit was popular. We'd send the cylinder and the head to pro circuit to get it done. And when we got it back, he would spec it out, figure out what they did and then show me how to do it on the other one. Oh, that's cool. And we would do that for everything performance. Like we just buy it for the one bike and then figure out, he would figure out what they did and then teach me. And then I would get to learn that with them. And then we would go testing and compare. And, and we did that with suspension too. Like race tech was, uh, mm-hmm. back then that was like the only suspension products that you could just go buy and tinker with yourself, right? Everybody else, you had to send it into them. Mm-hmm. So we got into the race tech stuff and that's, that's really where I started working on shocks was, uh, with the race tech stuff on my dirt bike. And I guess one year, one sled I did have, uh, the last sled I had when I was at home in high school riding all the time was the 97 XCR 440 race sled. Mm-hmm. And it had Fox shocks, so they were rebuildable on it. And I wanted the IFS stiffer. And uh, and Dad, he serviced shocks out of his dealership. You know, he knew how to do all that from his racing career. Like, when he raced, not only did they have to be the top-level driver, but they had to be the top-level mechanic, tuner. Um, mm-hmm. designer, like everything. So he had an understanding for all this stuff. Uh, I remember we took it apart and it just had like a standard tapered uh, shim stacking of 8,000 thick shims. And he said, well, if you want it stiffer, make them all 10,000s. <laughs> that, you know, and that's just how it started out. Yeah, it's, it's cool, like just the humble beginnings of that because suspension becomes a really big part of your of your career as a whole. So let's, let's kind of transition to that. Like 
what was your first kind of opportunity in, in power sports? Like what was your first foot, foot in the door? Well, once I realized I wanted to pursue, pursue a career in, in snowmobile racing on the technical side, mm-hmm. um, my dad got a, well, actually he, uh, when I was, uh, when I was a senior, like, so when I was a senior, I knew that's what my dream was like. Uh, that's what I wanted to try and achieve was to be a snowmobile race mechanic or team member and my dad got a call from bill raider and danny peterson and you're probably familiar with danny peterson right oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. So, so danny danny was my dad's uh sales rep for a long time mm-hmm. and then danny raced you know players and danny's brother jerry was his mechanic and jerry was a very good mechanic and fabricator and my dad would help those guys out so Danny and Bill call my dad and they talk to him about, Hey, we got this new team coming on and we want to kick it by you about being the team manager for it. And he didn't really think about it again with his dealership. He was too mm-hmm. busy. There's there no way he could get away and do it. And mm-hmm. it just, it wasn't in the cards. I remember when he told me he got that call and turned it down. I was so mad. I was like, <laughs> that was my chance to get in dad. Like, yeah, <laughs> I can't believe you did that. And, uh, he told me, well, if, if that's really what you want to do, I will help you to get there. Mm-hmm. And so from there, uh, he called some, some of his, you know, race personnel people on, on the pro level teams and manufacturers and kind of found out like, what are you guys looking for in a mechanic and you know what what's that space look like and the one thing that kept coming up is there was a shortage for mechanics that can fabricate a machine like that was okay that was well sought after for these top snow teams so what i decided to do then was go to college and i got my degree in tool and die machinists and I, I had a little bit of experience from my dad's shop. He had mills and lathes and bandsaws and welding. Like he taught me to weld that. I don't know. I was probably 14 years old when he taught me how to weld. Um, but it's like, well, I'm going to go to college then for that degree and really learn that, learn that craft. If that's going to help me to get to where I want. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I graduated from there and it'd been like late spring. It was a year. It was a two-year program that went um, year-round. So you weren't off in the summer. It was just year-round. So I graduated like late in 02. And I made my dad call Tom Rager. Tom Rager Sr., I think in 2000, he took over as the Players Race Manager out of Wausau, which it's only an hour and 15 minutes from Granite, you know, where I was Mm -hmm. living and grew up. And I had him call him to see if I could get a job for that next year as a mechanic. And uh, he said, oh, we already got all our teams finalized. We're set. And I was heartbroken. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, well, call back next spring and we'll talk and we'll keep you in mind. So then it's like, well, what am I going to do? You know, I I wanted to just kind of hang out in home, you know, because I mm-hmm. went from high school to college. My college was year round, so I didn't get a summer break. You know, it was just it was kind of like going to a job. I wanted to just hang out. My dad's like, no way, you're not you're not just hanging out and you're not going to do that. So in the meantime, my brother, he went to college for mechanical engineer. He's at Articat. So he starts working at Articat. He starts interning when he's in college. 
and then he'll go on to work there for for another 18 years mm-hmm. um so i talked to him but to be honest i had no interest at that time to go work for a manufacturer i wanted to be on a race team mm-hmm. like you know to work on the trail stuff or you know yeah yeah and uh so he said well he was working under greg spaulding another okay you know mm-hmm. race and greg told him well get him get him hooked up at black magic nice um so i went and i interviewed with tim berg at black magic and he offered me a position and then also jerry peterson was after me danny's brother he had he had left the professional snowmobile racing scene and started his own performance company on victory motorcycles mm-hmm. um so i had a offer with him and i was like ah i really don't want to go somewhere and then next year leave if mm-hmm. i get the opportunity at the players race department so i convinced my dad let me work at the dealership let's see if it works out next year and if not then then i'll i'll move on <laughs> so you know that's what i did and uh I called Tom Rager senior in the spring then that following year. And he said, there's maybe going to be one mechanic spot open. He said, one of last year's mechanics is thinking of not coming back. And he'd call me back in a few weeks. And I remember not being able to function. <laughs> that call back from senior. Mm-hmm. Um, and weeks went on and I didn't hear anything. So I, I remember too, like, calling him multiple times and my dad yelling at me like stop leave him alone like he's busy he'll let you know as soon as he knows but it's just like i just couldn't couldn't wait to yeah find um so he he calls back it you know it took a little bit but he calls back and yep there's one position open and it was to be on tim bender was the team manager of the team industry snowcross team mm-hmm and it was to be with Tim on his team as Levi Lavalle's mechanic. Gotcha. Uh, so Tom and Tim talked to my dad, you know, to make sure I could handle the position. Cause normally when you, you start, you don't start with a pro racer, right? You need mm-hmm. to, you need to get in there and school hard knocks a little bit and learn the ways. Yep. So my dad vouched for me and, and I was in, uh, I was hired by Tom Rager senior in the early summer of 2003. So then that fall, so that had been for the 04 season. So that fall I had to go, Tim ran it out of his shop in East Aurora, Buffalo, New York, East Aurora. Mm -hmm. So I had to go out there. I would spend, you know, like the first two months or longer before season out there with Tim. Uh, And a funny, if, if anybody that knows Tim will understand this. So it was like a scary deal for me. I mean, here I was going from this small little Northwoods town to, in my eyes, the big city, Buffalo, New York, like <laughs> kind of scary, right? For young, 20 years old, 21. Um, and I had to start on a Monday, whatever the month was, I, I had to start on a Monday. So my, me and my dad get in my truck and my dad rides out there with me. And I, I wanted to get there early. I wanted to get there on Saturday and like unload my toolbox and kind of drive around, figure out where I was staying, where, you know, where I had to go, all that. 
So we roll into Tim's shop like noon on Saturday. And I'm thinking like, you know, yeah, we're going to meet him and unload my stuff and talk a little bit and he'll let me know where I'm staying. And we'll, you know, then Sunday, me and my dad can kind of tool around and figure out. And then my dad would fly, he'd fly back home Sunday and leave me there. Well, as soon as I unloaded my toolbox, Tim said, well, Dan, so Dan Jabu. So the team was Levi LaValle was the pro and Brett Bender was sport. Mm-hmm. Dan Jabu was Brett's mechanic. He said, well, Dan's been here for two weeks already. So he's already got, you know, a head start on his mod sled. Cause again, this is, this is early fall. So we don't have the, uh, the race sleds yet, the stockers. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. is 800 twin mods. Um, he's like, go look at Dan's sled and just copy what Dan's done and like get to work, you know, like, yeah, you're here early, <laughs> but get to work. We got a lot to do. And I was like, little eye opener. It's like, okay, yeah, oh yeah, here we go. Um, and I remember like, it was too. also, it was Tim wanting to test me right away. Like, could I just he tell me to get to work and go look at what Dan did and duplicate it, like to, you know, kind of test me and make sure before I'm sure we get into the race season, I'm fit for the position. And so that's where luckily that all that experience of working with my dad and racing the dealership and knowing how to fabricate already was, it was a huge asset because that was uh, the pro X sleds. Yeah. And Tim was like his mods. He was changing a lot. I mean, we made our, our own tunnels out of flat stock that year, like made our own tunnels. He wanted to tip the angle of the bulkhead up to gain some ground clearance. So it wasn't like just go change, you know, twin pipes, change the motor type of deal. It was build a new race sled from the ground up. And um, man, what a fun time. Like what a, you know, what a fun time at that age and, and to be doing all that stuff and working with those guys, which Dan, Dan Jabu, he, you know, he, he's been around with Tim a long time. He's like last year, he was Cody Cam's mechanic. He's, he's been with Tim mm-hmm. for a long time. He's one of the most amazing fabricators I've ever worked with. Like he is exceptional. Um, so then what I, what I remember about that season. So for preseason testing, so Tim liked to, he wanted to do kind of everything on his own and not show it really right like it's very Mm -hmm. competitive stages so we're going testing just our team to thompson manitoba for preseason testing like all the other players teams would kind of go together to hill city i think is where they would go Mm -hmm. so we're going up to thompson manitoba to the ski hill up there you know and thompson manitoba like the the road ends there there's no more roads farther north it's your middle of nowhere it's 24 hour drive from wausau um and we were running fox shocks and like all the the player sleds were coming with walkers and all the other teams and top teams were running walkers and tim tim had had taken that team over the year previous the team industries team which was Mm -hmm. his first year back in the snowcross and had the walkers so it was his first year back with fox and like fox is really probably first shocks on a player snowcross sled you know previous they'd just been on articat snowcross stuff mm-hmm. so we're up there and fox flew uh an engineer in to work with us and it's it's brett and levi on the sleds and me and dan and our truck driver brad sievers yeah brad and uh tim 
I remember watching the first day, like we get there on load and get the, get the boys out. And I watched Brett coming a double down the hill. Like he just clips the rear axle on it. And he just like the rear suspension doesn't move. And he just like slowly falls off the sled and just lays. <laughs> he's, he's dead. And it's like, what just happened? You know? And we run over there and he's complaining of his back and Oh my God. And start looking at stuff. We look, look in the skid and the rear track shocks the shaft is bent in a u like it just oh and it's like oh boy uh that's not good and about 30 minutes later levi does the same thing on his sled and it's like oh we we got a problem here and uh we had the fox engineer there so you know it's like everything's fine well he he was slow at uh, taking the shocks apart and putting them back together. And, and we're only there for four or five days. Mm-hmm. So that first night at dinner, Tim asked me, he's like, do you have any shock experience? And I'm like, well, I, I can take them apart. You know, like I, I haven't really done any real tuning, especially not this level, but I can take them apart. He said, all right, tomorrow you're working with the Fox engineer. You're taking them apart and putting them together and, you know, let him do his thing. But we got to speed this pace up or we're not going to get done what we need to. So that's, that's really the start of how I get into shocks in the snow cross, uh, atmosphere. Um, so then, uh, you know, that whole year, then I would be, I would do our sh- like the service work on all our shocks for our team. Um, I would mm-hmm. do it, you know, and then Tim knew shocks and Belvin. So between him and, and the Fox guys, um, they would, you know, figure out what to change and do. And I would just do the labor basically, but paying attention the whole time of what they're doing, trying to absorb and sponge that knowledge. Um, and Levi go before we get to the first race or so Levi gets hurt and they bring in TJ Gula to mm-hmm. come in. Levi comes back. So then I'm, I'm TJ's mechanic. Um, I think I was his mechanic for, you know, three or four nationals. And then Levi came back and they brought in another mechanic for TJ. TJ was doing extremely well. Um, so they didn't, they didn't want to let him go. And I guess the big thing I remember from that year is, uh, X games hill cross was, was kind of a big thing. Like X games snow mm-hmm. cross was really big, but, and we built for TJ and Levi, we built one off hill cross sled. So, longer tracks, custom skids, uh, thousand CC twin motors and, uh, Levi wins gold at Hillcross that year. Um, so that was a cool experience for me as his mechanic to, to go through that. Um, then the next year, Oh five. So that's the, that's the first year of the IQR. It's the same, same team, same rider. So it's, it's TJ, Levi and Brett. Um, and so that too, that kind of drove us. We needed a whole new suspension calibration again, like the Rick Bates and his team, you know, they developed that thing and tested it. And so they had the Walker Evans suspension dialed for it. And, uh, you know, we had to go again preseason and, and figure that out on the Fox shocks. Mm-hmm. And we went to Thompson, Manitoba again. <laughs> and again, like that place, we didn't get along with that place. So the first day, <laughs> We send the boys out and we start ripping like all three of their sleds right away. And the first day we ripped the lower arms right out of the bulkhead. And it's like, Mm. oh my God, like 
the, what, what, what do we got going on? What are we going to do? I know Tim called down to senior and they had, you know, they're testing as well. No, they're not seeing any issues. So, you know, I'm sure it was a case of either our compressed height on the Fox shocks was, you know, a little taller or we're bottoming out harder than what we should have been. But so we had to, Tim had to go in town and find steel and we had to cut these makeshift braces out and weld them. And before we could run the sled. So it's like me and Dan spent the next probably 36 hours just welding these braces and fixing sleds up there. And then we got back to testing and I guess that, yeah, I remember that. And also that year, another thing we started doing in our, our mods was um, taking 121 skids, which is what they came with. Mm-hmm. Putting the 128 track in and, and moving the whole skid back. Um, mm-hmm. And that drove a completely new suspension calibration needed because you're, you know, the placement of the rider, his weight over the skids in a completely different spot. So you had to soften it up a lot. So again, like I got to, I would be doing all that, the work on the shock. So I, I paid attention and I learned and I asked questions. And so as I'm Levi's mechanic, I'm also learning all this suspension stuff too from these guys. Um, we tested that same year 05s when the Fox Float Air Shocks came out. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and, uh, so I was at this point, I was I was talking to the, the Fox engineer from Fox Racing California. Um, mm-hmm. So I already sent the Fox Floats and, you know, Tim said, we'll call him and find out some information where we need to start and, and just start start working it from there with Levi and like we, we were at Tim's shop mid season and we put him on a sled and Brett had a dirt bike track there. And we're like, well, let's just go play around a little bit and rip them. And it's like right away, Levi's like, Oh yeah, these, these are nice. So like, this is definitely better. And it's like, well, we're going to start racing them. <laughs> so, then, so then that's what we did. And we kept working on that stuff. Um, and then that summer after that year, that summer I came back home live with my parents and like I said earlier the off-road truck racing was a pretty big deal and something you know I, I really liked that um i took a job with jeff kincaid who's a very well uh accomplished off-road truck racer from Cranon, wisconsin and now his boy keegan keegan is is taking over the reins there and has for a while but i hook up with him as his lead mechanic for that summer jeff ran the prolite truck and uh, we won the championship that year. So that's why I did that summer. It's also that summer I met my wife, Sarah. Well, I met my girlfriend, but her wife now, Sarah, um, which interesting about her talking snowmobiles, she was AKA the Yamaha bunny from their promotion. <laughs> so I met bunny at the off-road truck races. Um, so then we go, we go, 2006 season and we're still i'm still with team with tim and we got the same riders tj levi and brett uh and with that what i remember from that year is winter x games um levi's leading snowcross winter x and with five laps to go i noticed like the rear suspension does not look right anymore like it's riding down it doesn't look right and you know, of course, as a mechanic, you, you panic right away thinking like, oh, did I leave, you know, what did I do wrong or what did I check? And all these emotions go through your head. And 
I'm studying as it comes through and he broke a torsion spring. And it's like, all right, well, mm. there's five laps to go. Like if he, he had a really good lead, I think Morgan crashed early and was, you know, he was coming through the pack, but Levi kind of got out front and was, was gone until that happened. And it's like, if he just, he might still make this right. So mm-hmm. I think it's a lap to go and I'm up in the mechanics area with pit board. It's like a lap to go. I think I watched him take the white flag. I'm like, he's got it. And I start walking down because I wanted to be down at the where they pull off after the finish line. Like I wanted mm-hmm. to be there when he won it. And I, I'm walking down and I hear the announcer, Lavalli crashes. And I'm just like my heart stopped. I'm like, what? And um, watching the tape, like he just, he shorted a, a jump just enough that it just completely bottomed out the rear suspension and just bumped mm-hmm. And uh, Morgan gets by him. He gets back on the sled and finishes second. But it's like, that was a bummer that I, I definitely, definitely can remember that whole deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on a positive that year, I remember we won, Levi won uh, the pro open race at Lambeau Field in Green Bay. Mm. Um, and TJ, I don't, I probably should, Doug, like I, TJ was doing very well too, but I can't remember, I can't remember. I know we were on the box like quite a bit. Like we were, we were a pretty good team. Like one of the boys, you know, Brett was doing really good in sport and he might've been a semi-pro now. Um, and TJ and Levi, like they were on the box a lot. And I remember doing the indoor races and we had success there and definitely good times. Um, so then after that year for that summer, um, Rager, Rager kept me on, uh, for the summer uh, and I was, you know, to work at was at the, the shop and help junior and Roger Faber in the shop. They were doing a lot of mod motors, um, BT mod motors. They would build a ton of them in the summer and get all that stuff ready and their mod parts. And so I helped with that. And then also for that next year, so that would be for the 2007 season, um, team industry goes away. They no longer want to run the race team. And that's when Tim hooks up with Hench's Racing. And that's like 07s when the Hench's Racing team formed. And it was a three-trailer team that year. So Tim Tim ran out of the, the Hench's trailer, the big semi, with TJ and Brett. And me and Levi went with Glenn and Chris Kafka out of mm-hmm. Glenn's trailer under the Hench's banner. And then Rob Shazzle, he crew chief the trailer of Scotty Vig. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, like the middle of that summer to end, uh, my job was Kafka brought his trailer in, and it was. <laughs> anybody that knows Glenn, you can probably imagine what it looked like from just Glenn working <laughs> over it. So I basically had to empty the thing and build cabinets and shelves and organize and fill it with parts and put a, you know, I had to make a shock vice and bench set up in there. And so that's what I did prepping for an 07 season was get his trailer ready. And, uh, that was, those were really fun times too. That was a really fun crew. Like Glenny is, he's a character, um, phenomenal clutcher and just all around fun guy to be around. And uh, Jeff Leffel was Chris Kafka's mechanic. Me and him got along really well. Um, we got in the summers, then we, me and him would ride dirt bikes all the time, me and Jeff Leffel. Mm. Um, 
so that was really fun. And then that that season's when Yamaha came in with their four stroke to go racing. So mm-hmm. what worked out great for me is Sarah got she came to all the races. Like when Yamaha came back in the snowcross with the four stroke, uh, like I heard you know, I heard Marrier was telling you about it on the mm-hmm. like they did a big marketing push with it. So they had Bunny at all the snowcross races. Uh, so that was great for me and her. Like we get to, you know, otherwise I'm just gone, gone on mm-hmm. all the games. Um, and then in the spring of 07, then after that year, it's when uh senior, he notifies me, he doesn't have the budget to keep me on for the summer. So I, I would have to do something else for the summer. And at this time, Sarah and I, you know, we had an apartment together. We we're living together in Wausau. I really didn't want to go back to Cranon. She she didn't want to go there. And she was kind of, she was up for an adventure. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to look for a full-time job. Like I'm at the point, I need to have a full-time job. So my first call was to Fox because I mm-hmm. know those guys really well over these years. And uh, I talked to the, the engineer that I've dealt with out there. And he said, you know, we were just talking about expanding our, our race program. It's... Uh, Right now, it's just Rick Strobel running it by himself out of Brainerd. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know, and we know you know Rick, and would would you be into that? I'm like, yeah, absolutely, like definitely. So, me and Sarah went over to Brainerd, met with Ricky, and kind of checked it out. And it's like, yeah, I think I think this could be a cool deal. So that summer then of 07, Sarah and I moved to Brainerd. Um, and it was just, it was Ricky and myself. Uh, we were that year we started, we were working out of his garage. Um, mm. and what I, I remember going in. So the one I remember going in, like I got warned of the schedule, like it's extreme. It was like uh, the high upper thirties for weekends of races you have to do. And, uh, I kind of thought like, ah, oh, well, that can't be for real. That's probably just like a scare tactic, right? Like, <laughs> and well, I was wrong. Um, so, but it was, uh, man, that was a great, that was a great adventure. Um, I would be there for, for over two and a half years. And I learned so much, like those two and a half years I was there, it was like eight years of learning because mm-hmm. we were, we were racing every weekend. Like, we did um so obviously the snowmobiles um but new to me not just snow cross but cross country too uh so we did the cross country we did the snow cross we went and we would do oe um calibrations then we were atvs like this is so oh seven atv racing is really big right now in the u.s like the ama mm-hmm. nationals all the japanese teams are in they have factory teams it's a big deal. So we would go do that. And um, Fox was on, they were on the gas this time, like in 07, they made a big push. Like they wanted, they wanted to hit the market hard in power sports and, and take some space. So we would do all the, the ATV nationals and we had all the top Japanese teams. Um, and, and with that comes a lot of testing too, with those guys, right? Mm-hmm. We did uh, GNCCs for ATVs. So again, it's going to those races. So it's, I mean, we're up and down the South 
in the whole eastern coast of the U.S. And, out, and we're coming out of Minnesota every week. And so it's a ton of windshield time. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, 20, 22 hour drive to get there. Next morning, you're racing. And then the next day, you're 22 hours to drive back home. Um, and then Fox wants to get into dirt bikes. So we start doing all the amateur nationals. Uh, that's where, that's where they wanted to enter first was like KX eighties and 65s and mm-hmm. Honda had the one fifty. uh, like let's make a trick shock and fork cartridges. And so we were going to all that stuff too, like Ponca, Loretta's, all the big amateur nationals. And then we were doing UTV stuff like UTVs weren't, they were just coming out this time frame, So they weren't, nobody was really racing them, but we were doing, um, calibration work with the manufacturers and some aftermarket shock calibrations. Um, so it, it was a lot going on, like a lot. And like a lot of times me and Ricky would have to split up, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's two of us. so a lot of t- sometimes we'd go together for sure. That first year, uh, we were together, right? He, there was a lot I had to learn, um, that he had to teach me. But then after that, we kind of, we would definitely split up and, go hit different avenues and cover more ground then. Um, so yeah, it was, it was wild. Like I, I would be in Florida in January at an ATV racer test and have snowmobile guys calling me cause they're testing and have to, you know, talk to them and this is what we should try to do. And then the next weekend I'd be at a snowmobile racer test having the ATV guys call me and, it really it forced me to learn and be really good at uh, documentation and mm-hmm. you know, my notes and and my process, I guess, of how I recorded everything and thought like this thought. It really taught me some great things. Um, so then, what I remember about that is I was at a test at Hill City in '09, and. Um, so obviously when I'm at Fox, I'm still doing all the snow cross races and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working with the players guys and Tim Bender, still his team. And, and one thing I do too, why I'm there is I, I'm on regular, like you guys got to get on Fox. Like we're mm-hmm. got stuff going on. So those guys come over on Fox and stuff. So I'm doing all that. I'm at a, actually, no, that doesn't happen yet. No, that doesn't happen. Well, Somewhere in there it does. I guess I don't remember exactly when they come over. Because I am I was at a test at Hill City uh, with Yamaha. And I remember Junior said, hey, come to the Junnick trailer. Somebody wants to talk to you. So they were still on Walker Evans. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was Randy Anderson. Randy Anderson, uh, owner-operator of Walker Evans. And he said, uh, kind of introduced himself to me in a little small talk. He said, "Hey, I think you should come work for me. I think you should come and take over the Stonebill race business for me." And I didn't know what to say. You know, I'm, I was like, "Okay, well, maybe. You know, let's talk later." I, it's really all I. I didn't know what to say. And uh, you know, I, like I said, I learned so much at Fox, but the windshield time was getting to me. The travel, like I mm-hmm. working long hours is fine, but the the windshield time and travel and also you know sarah moved there with me and so she didn't know anybody and i'm gone like i'm gone all the time 
so that was starting to strain strain her quite a bit and i knew it and it's it was like yeah you know maybe it's time time to make a change um and i was nervous about the walker evans thing like at that time like i knew i knew what we were doing at fox i knew where they wanted to go and i mean to be honest it, the walker stuff wasn't it wasn't doing that great at that time frame mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of Polaris guys switching to Fox, like a lot, like the majority. Um, so it was a nervous decision. I was like, man, what if, what if I go there and it doesn't work out? Like it, then what do I do? You know? Um, so I talked to, to Tom Rager senior and junior and, you know, trying to get their take on it. And senior said, well, let's put a deal together with Randy. Cause obviously Walker Evans and Polaris racing is it, you know, a huge program together. He said, let's put a deal together with Randy to where you work out of our race shop. And that Mm -hmm. once he said that I I was like, yeah, like I would, I wanted to get back there. You know, I knew that. Um, The only reason I left is because I needed to have a full-time job. So I told him like, yeah, if you can get that, like, absolutely. Um, And Sarah's family's from Wisconsin. So like she Mm -hmm. wanted to get back too. So Randy, Randy called me and said, yeah, let's make, let's do it. Like, let's do it. So I remember too, it was in the, it was in the fall when all this goes down. So it's like, man, we're like, we're starting to prep. I'm at Fox and we're starting to prep for snowcross season, race snowmobile season. So I tell Ricky and, uh, you know, that, um, that was a hard conversation for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, I got to figure out like, so I still working at Fox. I got to figure out how I'm going to get back to Wausau and get a house. Cause I didn't, I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm 28 years old, 27, something there. Like, I don't want to rent anymore. Like I, me and Sarah had been having apartments. Like I want to, I want to get a house and this is, this is oh nine. So in 08, like the whole economy crashes and the housing market's upside down. Right. Um, so timing wise, it was great. Like houses were cheap, like super cheap. I remember there, the government had a, a first time home buyer program. So if it was your first time buying a house, you didn't have to put 20% down. I want to say like, you got a 20 grand kickback. Uh, I find like one weekend that works that I can escape from Brainerd, run over to Wausau, um, get a realtor and go house shopping for a day. And we're, we're looking at stuff all day and it's a lot of you stuff. And it's like, ah, I don't, I don't have time for a project house. You know, like I, I need something like turnkey basically. So it's getting to be the end of the day. And she takes me to this newer subdivision. That's three miles from the race shop. And um, there's a house for sale that they had just finished. And I'm like, the price was right. You know, the price I could afford is like 1800 square foot house. And uh, I'm like, yep, let's do it. You know, I like, I got to get a house, right? Like, so next day I go back to Brainerd and back to finishing, you know, working at Fox. Well, like a week goes by or whatever, she calls me and there was a, there was an offer in on it at the time and it got accepted. Mm. But the lot right next to it, to the South was open for development. So we get a hold of the contractor and say, like, can you build me? And they're spec homes, so they're all saying, like, mm-hmm. 
can you build me a house? And it had to be done by January 1st for me to get this first time home buyer program. And this is like October or September. I think it was actually like October actually, but, and he's like, yeah, I think we can do it. Let's go for it. So, all right. So I, I picked out the siding color. I picked out the countertops and the cabinets and we let her, let her buck basically. <laughs> um, so then I come back, come back in the fall. And uh, so now I'm a Walker Evans employee working out of the players race department. And it, it wasn't until like Jan, sometime in January when I moved Sarah back, like, uh, you know, I had to wait for the house to get done. So when I came back, I was staying at a friend's in a friend's apartment, just crashing there doing that, that whole deal. Mm-hmm. So it's like sometime in January, it works out where I don't have to be at a race or a test and I move Sarah back and kind of, you know, get as situated as we can. It's like, we just got to get in and make it till the spring. And, um, so that winter, like my two teams I worked with was Shearing Speed Sports was on Walker Evans Polaris Mm -hmm. and the star racing team. So it was Robbie Malinowski and Andrew Johnstead. And then star racing was Derek Ellis. And I think, uh, James Johnstead and Kyle Feeblecorn, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and at this time, so the, yeah, I got, somehow I got my ears a little mixed up because the Jonic teams on Fox. So mm-hmm. somehow my ears are a little confused there, but anyway, <laughs> all within that realm a bit. Um, so it's that winter. Uh, that's when I realized like, wow, we got a lot of work to do here. Um, mm-hmm. like we're, we're way behind, um, so I laid out a plan with Randy, uh, like on what we need to start developing to turn this around. You know, we, we only had a single compression adjuster on all four shocks, you know, no high, low speed compression, no rebound. Um, so like that year, man, it forced me, I was constantly going in and revalving the shock. Like you couldn't just put a click mm-hmm. on in or out or click a low speed high as a full tear the shock down and revalve it. And, uh, so me and Randy get a, you know, like a, we get a plan and yeah, we're going to, we're going to do this. And this is where we got to start. Well, then that summer I needed something to do. Cause again, like the Walker Evans was pretty much just a snow thing. You know, the, again, the UTVs were just coming. Um, so as it turns out, Steve Hool calls Randy Anderson cause he's wanting to start expanding Speedworks in the stock cars. And mm. even Jeremy are racing A and B mods and he wants pitches Randy on the idea of building shocks for the cars. And Randy's like, well, perfect. I got Ben now and he needs a project. So that spring I'd go, I'd go racing stock cars with Steve and Jeremy Hull. And, uh, you know, we had Walker having shocks on them and it didn't last long as before the end of that summer, uh, the series outlawed them. And they couldn't run them anymore. So that comes to an end. Um, and then while this is going on, uh, the players race coordinator was Bill Rader and Bill, Bill had gotten sick with cancer in a year or two prior to this. And he was the race coordinator for players. You know, he was seniors right hand man in that mm-hmm. course, Tom Rager jr to be pulling double duty, you know, Tom junior as I, you know, we all call him junior. Um, mm-hmm. 
he was the Jonek Motorsports crew chief. So then he also had to start taking over the race coordinator position while, while Bill was out. And Senior, he knew he was kind of nearing the end of his career. And, you know, it wasn't the same for him without Bill. Like him and Bill were inseparable best friends. Mm-hmm. So he started to groom Junior uh, to take over his position. So Junior comes to me and he asked me, he says, I, I'd like I'd like you to become the race coordinator and be my right hand man. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's like out of respect to Walker and Randy and what they've done and do for us in that relationship will still, you'll still retain your tuning and suspension and shock, you know, your shock work for him. We won't just end that or get somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was another big decision for me. Um, I remember the one thing I was most nervous about was that position. You had to take a lot of phone calls and I didn't like talking on that. <laughs> I was like, just let me do my thing and work on power sports. I didn't, I wasn't really that like that scared me. And mm-hmm. Junior's like, Oh, it's fine. It's easy. It's no problem. You know, <laughs> no big deal. So, um, I talked to Randy and, it kind of worked out within like the next couple of weeks, he was coming to Cranon for the off-road race because uh, RJ, his oldest boy at that time, was racing off-road trucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I waited. I talked to him in person because uh, like I hadn't even been with Randy for a year at this point. And he just made this commitment to me and hired me. And I was like, yeah, this, this is, you know, a big deal. So I talked to him and um, he told, I remember him telling me, he said, you know, I don't, I don't want you to go, but I think it's a great path for you to go on. And if, if you want to do it, we'll make it work. And, um, that was, just, that's the type of guy Randy Anderson is. I and mean, he's just mm-hmm. a phenomenal guy. And, you know, I still get to work with him to this day and, uh, just very, very grateful for a lot of these people, these guys that I got to meet and work with, um, on this journey. And then also, so I, I, I decided to take that. And then also that year, me and Sarah get married. So it was, uh, the fall of 2010 was, that was a big one for me. Um, so then for 2011, so Shearing, Shearing went to Skidoo for 2011. So he was no mm-hmm. longer with Polaris. Um, so I needed a new team for Snowcross to, developed the Walker Evan shocks with that was, so that became the next immediate issue. So, you know, me and Levi had a great relationship. Like, you know, I was a mechanic for four years and I went to Fox and I was at Fox. I always, I still took care of his stuff and, you know, always made sure I, you know, I looked after him as much as I could. So I convinced Levi to come run Walker Evan shocks and do a two year deal. And then I can, I convinced Randy Anderson, we need, you know, we need to go make sure we go get Levi and put this deal together. So we get that all done. And the first, the first project I do with them is his Red Bull distance jump. Um, mm-hmm. That was a pretty, that was a pretty surreal project to work on with him. That was, you know, pretty cool. Went out, you know, I put a lot of thought into the shocks and what we needed to have. It's like, cause right. It's a hard thing to test. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went out when he first started testing and 
kind of make sure like it's suspend shock wise it's where it needs to be and then you know unfortunately on his last practice jump before he's going to do it he he has a bad crash and really bad crash um so that kind of threw a whole wrench in the whole developing snow snow cross shock plan for that year and um he came back like at the end of the year he came back to to ride the snow cross sled and he didn't like the shocks which again like they weren't to where they needed to be and we didn't get to go do any development really testing with him and so and he knows at that time like it's you know he's getting towards the end of the career here like he needs to make sure he makes the best decisions for himself so he decides to go back to fox so Mm -hmm. then for the 2012 year like i now we need we need some more new team to work with here um so for 2012 that's kind of when latent motorsports come in Mm -hmm. and uh start working with latent motorsports and also ots ff from canada with uh you know they they would go on to become a a powerhouse for us at the csra nationals so i start working with those guys and then also this time um with that position I, I also wanted to, like, what I liked at Fox was we worked on a lot of disciplines. So I wanted to migrate into that with the Walker Evan Shocks. So in 2011, it just happened that summer, um, Alan Van Strydek came down and his son Nick ran a champ sled. Mm-hmm. And we got, he got talking about shocks and, you know, like, man, wish somebody would do something and, you know, nobody's really doing anything. I said, Heck, Al, I'd, I'd love to build you some shocks. And he's in Tomahawk, which is 45 minutes from the shop. So he's like, well, yeah, let's let's do it. So I start building shocks for, for Nick and Al there in 2011. And then in 2012, Nick would go on and win the WC World Championship at Eagle River. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was pretty cool. Again, like going back to my early days, going there with my dad, like I knew how prestigious that was. Um, then also I get into doing, um, the testing with our cross country guys. So it's, it's Gabe Bunky and Aaron Christensen. Those are like our main guys. Um, so we're, we're making progress on the shocks. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're making good progress. We would lead with, uh, snow cross for development, obviously, but then I would just trickle down, like I'd trickle down what we learned, you know, components that made the shocks better and, and just kind of trickle it down. And then this is also in 2012 when um, I think it's kind of when I earned Rick Bates's respect. And uh, I say this is, he takes, takes a liking to me. And boy, was I fortunate for that. You know, there, there's a guy right there that I, I work with today on a daily basis. And um, it was the start of a great working relationship between the two of us. And, uh, yeah, he, Rick is, so Rick, he leads the race sled development out of Roseau, Minnesota for players. Like he's, mm-hmm. yeah, he's the creator, him and his team of the IQR. Um, he's hands down the most knowledgeable stone build developer calibrator that I, I've ever worked with or known, like without a doubt, like he will, he'll surely be going into stone build hall of fame at some point here. Um, so for the 2014, 
snow X race season. That's when we start. We come with two inch IFS shocks and high low compression and rebound. So like 2014's when we got some really cool shocks. Um and that the rear track was two inch high low rebound. The front track at this point was still inch and three quarter, but we got the high low compression on it. And we were making big gains with the shocks and we were starting to gain gain racers back, back away from Fox. And I remember that year we were at Duluth Friday night. So it was probably a X Games qualifier. I would yeah, it would have had to be X Games qualifier. And uh Ian Hayden was on point that night. Like he was on point and our suspension was on point and it like it he did re- like drove through the field and past some, you know, Ross Martins and these, these top guys. And, uh, Tim Bender afterwards, he came and grabbed me and I said, he's like, man, you, you sure got those shocks working really well. We're going to have to get, we're going to get with you at the end of the year and go test it. And I was like, you know, like, all right, like this is what we're working, right. We're trying to get this mm-hmm. going back. And then also that year, uh, corn Todd would, would he'd win the pro light championship for late motorsports. Uh, that's so then that spring after that year rick bates comes with me and we go and we do a test with the henches team and the judnick team and we tested for uh, three or four days you know we went testing until we weren't going to leave there until the walker evan shocks and those sleds were better what those boys had raced all all season and uh and we got there and both teams decided for the next year, so the 2015 season, decided to switch. And then also, so then for the 2015 IQR, um, those shocks would come stock. So that mm-hmm. past year 14, it was just, it was prototypes. You know, the shock shocks were open. So they weren't stock on the IQR, there's prototypes. So then for 15, we're coming stock, stock with those shocks. Um, in 2015 then, so adding those teams, we're adding people, I I was gonna need some more help. Um, so that's when Bob Cars enters the scene from Walker Evans. Uh, Bob's an awesome technician for Walker Evans. So he starts, Randy sends him to the races to, to come give me a hand. Um, Cause like up until then too, like I would have to go watch the races talk to our guys and then go back to the trailer and rebuild shocks. Um, so it's like, we need another, we need a guy there that I can just be out watching and working with the riders and teams and not be in the trailer. Um, and, and Bob still, he's, he's still our guy from Walker Evans that comes to this day. And, you know, he's, he's learned a lot over these years and he does an awesome job for us and for Walker Evans shocks. Um, in the 2016 season, then that's when we started testing the new velocity series shocks. So the blue silver shocks, mm-hmm. and we would end up then having those come production on the model year 18, 600 R race sled. So kind of now, like if we look at today, like most all the players, snowcross racers, cross country and Duro and, uh, you know, like our, our champ and our F3 racers, they all use Walker Evans shocks now for the most part. So it's, uh, it's been a pretty cool, pretty cool adventure. 
it's it's kind of funny like hearing back through that that entire story like my biggest takeaway is you know i say it a lot on the show about how small the industry is but all these names that you throw around that like i'm sure a bunch of people are going to recognize it's like yeah i met this guy and then i met this guy and he knows this guy and it's just it's it's such a small world like it's all the same guys over like that 20 year span yeah it's and that's i guess one thing too like i love about our sport is like when i came in all my friends were from back home you know and mm-hmm. and now all my friends are within the industry like we we all have the same interests the same passions we're all trying to do the same thing and i love getting along with everybody at the races like it's 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 one of the best things about it um i guess then too just to kind of recap like the oval racing through that span um you know stuff i'm i'm proud of and got to do is like i said started building the champ shocks with nick van strydunk um and he would go on to win another a second wc and then i started building shocks for blaine stevenson and he would go on a tear and win four in a row Mm -hmm. um that was super cool to be a part of that now a small part right and just just doing the shock calibration and packages but it's still really cool for me to to have that part with those guys um and now we're kind of you know we have f3 transitioning into it's now the wc class and so i developed a shock package for all the players f3 guys so everybody can can buy them and have them on their sleds and uh jay middlesat went out and won that the first year um so that was cool. And then uh, cross country racing, you know, along, along those years and these years, um, thing I remember, Aaron Christensen, uh, when he won the 2018 I-500 race, uh, you know, that was a big deal. Like that, that race has been dominated by the green guys over the years. And, uh, you know, so that was really cool. And AC, he's a guy I've known when that first year I started in 03 when I worked for Tim when we came back to Wausau to work out of the race shop for the year I was in an apartment it was me and Levi and Aaron Christensen and, and his mechanic Goose so I got that was I was around Aaron then and Aaron's an awesome guy and he like you know he took us all under the wing of here's what here's what you guys should be doing and you know what you can and can't do and get away with and all that. And I've been friends with Aaron ever since that day. Um, and then, you know, working with our cross country guys, uh, some other nice feats, you know, Alex Satine, Taylor Bunky, Dan Revering, all winning Pine Lake. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, going testing with those guys and helping them out with their shocks and, and their sleds. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so I guess that if you want to keep going, um, we could talk about the Sioux program that, that we ran out of here. Uh, go for it, Ben. Just, just send it, go for it. Let's get into it. So we'll have to, uh, we got to back up a little bit on that. But so when senior senior was getting close to retire and there was one item he wanted to check off his list before he retired. He had never put together a program and went and won the Sioux. You know, he's, he had accomplished everything else in snowmobile racing at every, every discipline, but, but that one. So that was on his bucket list. Uh, mm-hmm. So he wanted to make a run 
<clears throat> putting a team together to win the Sioux 500 endurance race. So he went to the he went to the Sioux race in 2010 to kind of go watch and take it all in. And uh, he came back and he said, you know, Gabe Bunky was the only racer there on a new player sled. He had an IQR like everybody else up there was on. They were on old trailing arm sleds with triples and, you know, all this old stuff. And Gabe, mm-hmm. Gabe had went there on IQR and senior said, man, I think, I think it's got potential. And uh, he's like, it's the sled you guys know, and it could start a new breath of life up there. Um, so he contacted Gabe and said, you know, bring your, bring your Sioux sled down to the race department this spring. And we're going to put a, a Sioux program together around you. And that was, you know, Gabe and I don't, it probably, I don't remember exactly how, like, again, like I'm not, wasn't in on the like rider part of this, but I don't know if Gabe went and got Aaron or if senior wanted Aaron, but anyways, it's Gabe and Aaron for the drivers and Aaron had never been there before. You know, he went from snowcross to cross country and, and never enduro race at all where Gabe had, Gabe had ran the Sioux for a number of years up to this point. Um, so then senior tasked junior and me to build him a new Sioux sled. And once we got Gabe's sled back that he had raced that past year, you know, we stripped it all down, looked, looked at what he had did. And, and junior, he grew up, uh, oval ice oval racing and drag racing. But so he had a lot of knowledge about oval racing. Um, and again, too, like ton of knowledge about tuning a sled and, engine calibration and he's a phenomenal clutcher so the two of us together we stripped Gabe's sled down and then we started building up a new one and I remember that summer we would we would build it up and you know look at it and talk and you know you're doing other stuff during the week too you don't just get to focus on it and we'd have a new idea and tear it all down and build it back up and we would do we did that that whole summer until we got it to where we're like all right i think this is this is where we're going to start um and senior and contacted larry ruglin to do the the motor and pipe package so that year that would be going to that would be for the 2011 sioux 500 race and senior junior and myself went there uh junior and i were we were with Gabe and Aaron during the week. So it's a week of qualifying up there before you even get to the race. So we were up there for the week of qualifying to help with calibrating sled and dialing it in. Um, and, and me and junior were a, a perfect team together. He's phenomenal clutcher and then I can handle the suspension and chassis. So we just, we just kind of go and elevate each other a little bit in that respect. Um, but we couldn't stay for the race. So there's a snow cross race, which happens a lot. There's usually a snow cross race on that weekend. So we had to leave before the race and, uh, and senior stayed for the race and it was wild. Like Gabe and Aaron, they were awesome on that sled. They, they had the race well in hand. I think, uh, a two or four lap lead over second place. And with 80 some laps left, they pitted and Aaron got back on the sled and soon after going green, uh, he crashed going into one under the bridge and he smashed the sled up pretty good. So they, they came in and it like the steering post was all bent and knocked out of it, barely staying in. And it was pretty badly hurt. 
So I think they ended up still getting fourth. I think they still ended up fourth, like limped the thing back in for the last 70 laps. Um, so senior, senior knew, he knew he was onto something when he came, came back and filled me and junior in about that race. And he said, lots of players racers came up to him and wanted to buy an identical sled for the next year. So that's what we did. So for the, the 2012 year, then senior and Gabe also decided to put a second Sioux team together for that next year and run an identical sled. So we ended up always calling that our sister sled. Um, so that entered a Faust Racing Brothers. Um, and then we also, that summer, we built three turnkey Sioux sleds that we sold to Players Racers so that you could buy an identical turnkey ready-to-go Sioux sled. Mm-hmm. Um, so then that year, going to 2012, you know, Junior and I knew this this was probably our last chance to get seniors win at the Sioux. Um, so we were going to make sure we stayed for the race this time. And I, I don't recall if we had to miss a snowcross race or it worked out. Um, but anyway, so we're staying for the race. And then also that year, Senior asked my dad to come along and uh, give us a hand up there too. And my, dad, my dad's won the Sioux twice and... Through my whole career, um, you know, he would come to the snowmobile races when I was a mechanic, when I was at Fox, and still always helping me and, you know, pushing me. And um, that year at the Sioux, the boys were once again in control of the race. And uh, Gabe and AC laid down a blistering pace all day. And they actually, they kept it up too long. We we pitted, um, pitted with like... 70 or 75 laps to go and there there's a whole story about that whole deal that we won't get into but <laughs> Aaron needed to, he kind of needed a hit like I said they had they had the race in hand I mean they had a couple lap lead over second place again or something it's like just back off the pace Aaron and bring the damn thing in and but he he didn't want to change the way he rode because he didn't want to crash. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. as a professional racer, your brain works the best at a hundred percent. You start backing it down. Sometimes things change a little bit. So it, it was quite the deal. So we win the race. He comes around, he picks up Gabe. They go around for their victory lap. And as they're coming back, to like the front straightaway where the celebration is the sled runs out of gas like it stops it's out and we're like mm-hmm. wow like we, mm-hmm. we we cut it that close you know what i mean um that was a pretty neat deal pretty funny deal but uh <laughs> so that spring there after that there was so much interest in our sioux sleds that we had to kind of change our direction from building turnkey sleds to building kits it was I think it was like eight or nine guys wanted these sleds. Um, so we, we decided, well, let's do kits um, so that they can they can buy an IQR and buy our kit and we'll put the whole aftermarket list together of those parts we use and directions and we'll bring them in for a school and they can build their own sled. Like that would be pretty cool for them. And um, then for the 23 race, my dad comes on the team full time 
And we made a plan that year to track the race and make the best decisions on when to pit and monitor the fuel mileage and monitor our competitors. Like our eyes got open there mm-hmm. and uh, we would win when the 2013 race, the 74 Gabe and Aaron would win that race. And then our sister sled, the 537 sled, Faust brothers, they get second. Um, that race, what I, what I remember sticks out that race is um, Corey Davidson, you know, Corey's tied with Gabe for most wins at the Sioux at seven. Mm-hmm. He was like three laps down with 150 to go or so. So it was like, you know, you kind of watch your competitors, right. To see what they're doing. And it was like, well, he's out of it. So, and then here we get like to the, you know, down towards the end of the race and like, he's back on the lead lap. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Like, what what's going on and it wasn't until so it, like it drove me nuts and i remember that's all i was thinking about the whole way home is like how did he do that and then it finally it finally dawned on me what he was doing like you you kind of replay the race back in your head um because for me i was up on the scaffolding you know i would talk to our drivers to gabe and aaron and, and the faust guys and so i'd get to watch the whole race and, I figured out what he was doing and it's like, Oh, that's okay. Like, yeah, that's how you get laps back up there. That's how you play the game. And then my dad wanted to take a little bit farther and we started tracking him and Gene started, we started tracking stuff um, to look for patterns also. So, you know, we could, we would track our top competitors when they would pit for fuel. So, we kind of knew what window and cycle they were on. Um, Cause what you got to do when you're something always happens at the Sioux, you're always going to have adversity. So you're going to go a lap down or two or three. So you got to get these laps back. Well, what you got to do is your fast guys are usually all in the same program. So when they come in for fuel, you need to stay out. So like they pit for fuel, you stay out. You've now passed them. Then the race goes green you're in front of them then you need a caution when caution comes out at the sioux the pace sled picks up the leader so you have to stay in front of the whoever the leader of the race is until you get that caution and then you get your lap back um so that's where we we wanted to like start finding patterns and stuff and and that's what we did and it made it made a huge difference going forward um so for the 2014 season there We'd bring my uncle Gene Hayes in um, onto the team. And uh, so, again, we could do more race strategy, race tracking. Like in, in this era um, at the Sioux, they won't, they won't tell you when they were going to do plow breaks. Like, like now at the Sioux, it's every 100 laps they're going to do a plow break. So you know when you got this big, long caution coming. In this era, they want you didn't know. So there could maybe be only – one plow break all day or two or three and you didn't know when it was coming so it made strategy a really key thing because you do not want to come in for fuel under a green flag lap um so we bring gene in to help and uh once again the 74 sled would win that race and the 537 sled would get second um so then for 2015 2015 we were we're like just over halfway and gabe got into the lead and we pitted for skis and it really started to snow 
so we're in, I think we're in like fifth or so, you know, when we cycle back out and they're just running us around on caution laps, kind of waiting to see what the snow is going to do. And it's like, it's, it's getting worse and worse. So I told Gay, I'm like, if this thing goes green, you got to hammer down. Like we're, they might stop this race. So he's like, all right. And uh, they turn it green. They turn it green for two laps. And in those two laps, mm-hmm. Gabe, Gabe got to third. Uh, and then the red flag came out and they'd end up calling the race at it was like 280 or so laps completed the 500. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got third and it was a heartbreaker because we, we were just came off three in a row and nobody's ever done four in a row. And it was like, man, that was, that was a tough, that was a tough one there. But then uh, the next for 2016 and 17, uh, we'd win again with the 74 sled, Gabe and Aaron. And um, the 2018 race, that was quite a race. So, uh, you know, meanwhile, while we're we're full into this program, the Articat guys are too. And uh, the 2018 race, it was like the last 80 laps was Aaron and Zach Herfindahl duking it out like wide open as hard as they could. And Zach would end up winning by, it was like four tenths of a second. Uh, he held Aaron off, but it was quite the, quite the race to watch. And like those 80 laps, like it was a surreal feeling watching those guys do what they did out there at that pace for that long. Um, so then in the spring of 2018, uh, that's when my son Leo was born. And uh, an interesting story there is it was four or five days after he was born, I had to leave. I had to leave for a week long snowmobile test trip. And uh, <laughs> I still I still hear about that one to this day. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had been building the Sioux sleds the last few years of doing that. I was building those two Sioux sleds after work hours, like my norm, say my normal work hours. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always my joke. I always called it my stretch project. Um, and, you know, it, it'd take me right up until the race until I'd get them done with, with everything I had going on here. And I told my wife, I was like, this, this is going to be the last year of me doing this. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to step back from that. And, uh, I, I need to be home to help you with Leo. You know, I already travel all winter long. Um, I need to be around in the f- summer and fall here. Well, 2019 race. Uh, that one didn't go to plan and uh both our sleds with dnf kind of freak freak deal we lost crank bearings on both of them mm. and um I, I didn't want it to end that way and uh much to my wife's non-approval <laughs> i decided to build the sleds for one more year and make a run at the 2020 race and uh that's when my dad and gene like during this, you know, my dad and my uncle Gene fell in love with this race and they had started working on making aerodynamic parts. Um, they made spindle fairings and arm fairings and shock tower fairings and nose cones. And they were playing with the arrow stuff. And that summer, those guys like got into it heavy, went full out and they, 
so that's when for the 2020 race, we came with the full aeroplastics on our Sioux sleds, you know, the windshield, mm-hmm. the side, like the full, the full aero package you see on most everyone's sleds up there to this day. And we also, I worked with Walker Evans and built electronic adjust IFS shocks for those two Sioux sleds. So the, you know, the drivers could adjust the shocks on the fly while they're out on the race. We didn't have to wait to come in at a pit stop and change our shock settings. So we kind of went all in and um, the Aaron and Gabe 74 sled, they would go on and win that race that year in 20 and the sister sled 37 Faust got second. And I think we had a a lap or two lead over third then, you know, Um, like they just went out and just put the hammer down all day. And it was like, what a perfect ending to it. So Mm-hmm. Now, at that point, the 74 team, they had won six Sioux 500 races, a second place finish and a third place finish. And then the, the Faust brothers on our second bunky racing sled, they had three second place finishes. So uh, after the 2020 race, then I, I stepped back from building the in-house factory sleds and uh, both those teams carried on and I still help both those teams with their builds and their settings and calibrations to this day. And my dad and Gene are still on team 74 and now Gabe took over as crew chief and they're still going. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, w- one of the, the questions I had much later on was going to be just kind of the coolest win that you had been a part of, but it sounds like the, the Sioux program just as a whole is something that's definitely near and dear to your heart and you're extremely proud of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, absolutely. That's, that's for sure. The, the coolest win. I mean that knowing that was my last year, um, you know, going into it and then to get first and second, that was awesome. And I made sure I enjoyed that, that night up there too. So I wanted to get into some more kind of sled evolution topics if we can, Ben, because, you know, through this like 25 year or so run that you've been talking about through your career, there's been a lot of a lot of changes in sleds, just race sleds specifically. So I want to get into some of those topics. What's kind of one thing that you've witnessed over the years in race sled development that you like and one that you really wish hadn't really changed or you feel like we might have gone the wrong way on? Um, I guess what I love is that the evolution never ends. Um, Mm -hmm. the sleds just, they just keep continuing to get better and better and so capable. And I just, I think about like the amazing feats it allows like Levi's distance jump and, um, like the pace these guys go at the snow cross track and the pace they go at the Sioux now it's, they're wide open from the green flag, you know, like Sioux used to be. Mm -hmm. You had to save your equipment to the last hunter, and then the race started. It's it's wide open from the start, and it's all just because they're the evolution of the sled is just getting better and better all the time. Um, I guess what if there was something like you you wish you could change or revert? Um, wish it didn't get so expensive, right? It's. Mm-hmm. As that happens, then too, everything gets so expensive and then measures have to be made to contain it. And, you know, that's kind of what happened with the mods and Snowcross. Um, mm-hmm. God, we all love them, wish they'd be here, but it just got way too expensive. 
on a similar note, and I feel like the answer could be exactly the same, but you know, the sport of snowmobile racing as a whole, like what's, what's an evolutionary thing you like versus something you wish hadn't changed. Um, I guess as a whole in the sport, what I like is, uh, live streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, I can watch lots of different snowmobile disciplines now very easy. You know, I, I can be here working at the shop and you can replay a live stream. Um, so you, you can be at a, we're, we're all the time. We're at a snowcross race and we're live streaming hill climb or oval or, you know what I mean? Like I, I love that ele- um, evolution of live streaming. That, that's been a really great thing for the sport. Um, if again, if there was something you wish didn't have to change or didn't change, um, I would for the sport as a whole, right? The decline in regional series. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we used to go like those first years I was with Tim on Team Ministries. We would go run regionals all the time for extra practice mm-hmm. track time, and uh, regionals are great for your your local guy wanting to get into it like he can't afford to go follow the national tour and if he can hit a couple regionals within the state um so it's been a bummer to see those decline but they're kind of starting to come back a little bit there's there's Mm -hmm. a resurgence there on regionals so that's really good going forward yeah at the as of the time of this recording it was announced like yesterday the northeast Thank God we're getting a series back again. Yeah. ISR affiliation. Yeah, so that's going to be, it's going to be great. It's huge, right? It's huge for the sport. hundred percent. So whether it's kind of your daily operations as race coordinator or kind of thinking bigger of just race sled development and things like that, what's the biggest challenge for you on a, on a yearly basis? Um, Biggest challenge is uh, probably probably how, having to figure out how to get everything done that's got to get done within the time frames. Um, that's always a challenge, right? There's there's so much to do. We're a pretty small crew, so I'd have to go with that. Okay. Okay. So without giving away any secrets, because I'm sure at this point in time, like, the 2025 600R is already solidified. But if you could say anything about what you're seeing over the next five to 10 years in, in race led development, what are you, what are you seeing? And this could be for you, for BRP, for cat, like just, what do you, what do you think the future of race leds is going to look like? Yeah, that's, that's a hard one, right? That's uh, things are always changing. You never know, but I, I think it's, it's kind of the same as what we've been seeing, right? It's just, the performance is going to improve. The handling is going to improve. We're going to get lighter components. There's going to be more computer integration, kind of the, the same path. I, I think I really see forward. Mm-hmm. So we've covered a lot of, I mean, even yourself just being involved in so many different racing disciplines over the years, like which one of the, the snowmobile racing disciplines do you think deserves a lot more attention because obviously snowcross gets a ton of attention but like where do you think a lot of us fans should really be focusing to um i think the one that that deserves more attention is cross country and and Mm -hmm. that's the hard thing with that is it's spread out right so it's not Mm -hmm. you can't just have one camera there are two cameras to capture it 
but man, cross country racing is really good racing and really fun to go watch and, and spectate that. hundred percent. Yeah. I've, it's been a couple of years since I've done a cross country race, but you know, coming from snow cross, like I gained a, a whole new level of respect for the cross country guys. When I, when I gave it a shot, it's, it's some gnarly stuff for sure. So obviously your goal is, is to win races and win championships. Ultimately that's, that's like the 10,000 foot view within Polaris racing. But you know, beyond that, what's your biggest goal every year? Would you say, is it just race led improvement relationships? Like what's your biggest goal you think? Yeah. My biggest goal every year, I always set goals every year and it's, it's to make something better on the sled, you know, whether it's the snow cross sled or the cross country sled or the enduro sled or the oval sled, like can make something better. Always, always striving for that. So we're going to roll into something a little bit different here, Ben, you're going to be my, my pilot guy for this next segment. I'm going to be trying it out. I'm going to call it pick your poison. So, um, I'm going to give you two, two not ideal scenarios and you're going to have to pick which one you'd rather do and then justify it. So if you think you're up for it. Okay, let's go. <laughs> so race snow cross with no hand guards or race an ice oval with no studs. I'm going, uh, I'm going snow cross with no hand guards because you can get heated gloves now. <laughs> but, but what about the roost? You're not scared of it? Nah. <laughs> Okay. Sounds good. Uh, cross country I 500 on a leaf spring or the Sioux with no windshield. I'm going, I'm doing the Sioux with no windshield. Um, bring back the leathers and the super sheer sealed shield. It'd be fine. Uh, no hand warmers or no pit coat. And we're talking like, like Valcor or Canterbury somewhere really cold. Uh, I got to go no pit coat because I get cold hands and feet. So I need my hand warmers. Fair, fair. Clear goggles in overcast or tinted goggles in the dark? I'm going, give me the clear goggles and overcast and let's get some blue chalk out on those jump faces. You think that works? I've, I, I'm, I'm out on that. I could never tell. It, it yeah, at least you know. You better be on the gas when you see that blue chalk. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Last one. Jackson Hole on a 121 or Eagle River on a stock 600R? Uh, is that stock with no studs? For the sake of argument, yes, no studs. No, I don't like either one, but uh, <laughs> I'm doing Eagle River because I got no business going up that vertical wall. That's Jackson Hole. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've... I've never never made it out there, but I know it would it would scare the shit out of me just standing it's, there looking up it. So it's something you gotta do. Like it's unreal when you go there and watch what those guys do on that hill. So last couple questions for you, Ben. I already took I've already held you way longer than I told you I would. But uh, last couple here for you. Your favorite production sled of all time from any brand. Ah, oh, that's the IQR, hands down. Yeah. Yeah, super, super iconic, and it's it, yeah. I mean, and look at what it's done in its lifespan, and yeah, for sh hands down, IQR. 
every every maybe once a winter every couple years uh one shows up on marketplace like the original uh the 05 with the blue oh, the blue and, you know and i'm like oh that'd be that'd be cool that'd be cool to own yeah yeah so favorite race sled of all time that's not a polaris sled um that's gonna be my dad's uh 1978 skidoo mod 3 440 snow pro factory oval sled um that was he was on the factory skidoo team out of velcor and i I remember he had a picture of it always two of them actually in his office at his dealership and it was always like a rad looking sled it's it's got like a a wedge hood with um a rectangle radiator in the front and like a really cool looking sled Do you guys still like as a family? Do you guys still have some like a lot of those old race sleds, or are they, no, are they long he, gone? The only race sled he kept was that uh, TXL, you know, his cross oh, yeah. country. And, um, but there's there's a lot of his sleds in like Snowmobile Hall of Fame where um, guys have found them and restored them, and either you know they they still own them, but they let the Hall of Fame display them. So mm-hmm. like they're one of his Mercury's is around. He's He's got some of the sleds around that we get to see now and then, but yeah, he didn't, he, that's the only one he kept was that TXL and it, it wasn't any, uh, you know, historic sled. He just kept it. So he had a sled to ride mm-hmm. basically. So I was going to ask, I'll, I'll, I'll tweak this one slightly. I was going to say favorite Polaris race sled of all time, and I still will, but you got to name a team and you got to pick a year. So it's gotta be an actual raced sled. That's yeah, that's the easy one for me. That's that the 2020 Sioux sled. What I so I I called it the SF20. Um, mm-hmm. For sure. That's my favorite race sled of all time. Just again, like what went into it. And we had the full arrow, we had the electronic shocks and that thing looked cool. Last one for you, Ben. Biggest fire drill you've ever been a part of, whether it was on the mechanic side or or the race coordinator side. Uh, well, there's been a lot of them for sure. When <laughs> you spend half your life in racing, uh, you know, every weekend pretty much there's something that happens. But the one that the one that sticks out the most to me, uh, it would have been. Either 05 or 06, we raced in the Buffalo, New York Stadium, the Bill Stadium. Mm-hmm. And um, this was on the Team Industries team. And Brett crashed his mod in qualifying. It was, this was 05, 05. And it started on fire. And the thing, oh. it burned up bad. And the deal back then, on Saturday, you ran your qualifiers. And on Sunday, you had the LCQ in the final. So all your qualifying was done Mm -hmm. on Saturday. So you couldn't change the sled. You know, like we had to rebuild that sled to be legal. There wasn't like now, you know, it's a whole different deal. But so like I remember that night, I had to get Levi's stuff all prepped, you know, get it ready for the finals in the next day. And they they have two sleds, a mod and a stalker. And then we had to help uh, Brett's mechanic. That mod like was destroyed. And, mm-hmm. you know, we had to fix it. We're there all night. And we get back to the hotel at like 6 a.m. You know, we leave the track. <laughs> Not, 
I'm young still, you know, I'm like 22 or whatever. I remember Bender says to all of us, uh, he says, we're going to meet back down in the lobby in 30 minutes. So you either, either take a 20 minute nap or go take a shower. And it's like, <laughs> we're, I mean, we're, we're wiped out. Right. And, mm -hmm. uh, that's what we did. We went back, you know, 30 minutes later. So I, I didn't dare lay down cause I knew I, if I lay down, I wasn't getting up. So I just took a shower and hung out. Um, we went back the next day and we qualified and raced and I don't remember, I don't remember how we did, but, uh, that that's my fire sale story. Fire drill. <laughs> I was gonna say, and it's literally a fire drill. Yeah. Like it... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we'll wrap it up for you then, Ben. Again, I, I really appreciate the time and, and certainly your support. I know you listen to the show, so, I, uh, I really appreciate all the, all the great stories and, and best of luck to you guys at Polaris, uh, this season. Yeah. Thank you. We're, uh, you know, we're hard at it right now, getting ready, ready to go for this year. So yeah, this, this was great. Like this brought back a lot of memories, a lot of stuff I, I haven't thought about in a long time. So this was a lot of fun, Spencer. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ben Hayes on the carbide podcast. If you're like me and you're really just here for the stories, then this one's an all-timer for sure. Thanks again to Ben for offering up his time. I don't take any guests I have for granted, so getting Ben on, especially in early November, I'm super grateful. Thanks again to all you listeners. We'd be nothing without your support each and every week. We just launched a merch line, which is pretty sick, so check out the Facebook and Instagram pages for a link if you want to support us and rep the logo this winter on the trails or at the track. Be sure to subscribe. Tell your friends. And as always, take care.